0: If you have a Bible with you today, I want to invite you to find Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations chapter 3. Uh, today we are starting a new series. Uh, usually at the beginning of each year, we have done a time of fasting. All right, We've done 21 days of like partial fast. People have done Daniel fast, different things like that. Uh, last year, and I think what we're planning for this year again, is a shorter time frame of a more complete fast, Uh, And kind of doing it where we all end at the same time. And we do that in January a lot. But we start thinking about this. you are like, okay, you know what? Thanksgiving is coming up. And everybody always eats way too much food. We probably need to eat less food. So we brought up the idea of doing a 21-day fast that would extend over Thanksgiving. How many of you guys are excited about that? Okay. We weren't either. So instead, we're like, okay, you know what, I think actually uh, where we landed was we took this idea of 21 days of fasting, and we added one little letter, and it's amazing what one letter can do to something, right? So instead, here's what we're doing in honor of Thanksgiving, 21 days of feasting, all right? Yes, how many of us like this idea better, right? Okay, I can get on board with 21 days of feasting. Alright, alright. Yep, yep, yep. That's what we thought too. We're like, this is a much better idea. Just by adding the E. That really changed the meaning, didn't it? Alright, so the funny thing is actually, scripturally speaking, fasting and feasting are actually kind of similar. Like, they, they are two sides of the same coin. Okay, they both are ways that in scripture that we see the Israelites responding to God. Uh, and some of you are like, well, man, if feasting is a way of responding to God, then I am great at responding to God, and I didn't even know it. Right? You're like, I- I'm a better Christian than I thought. All right, well, well, it is when you do it in certain ways, okay? Uh, and those ways actually can sort of play out, uh, I think, in this season for us of Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is kind of known for two things, right? Uh, for giving thanks, having gratitude, and, and anything else like that. And then for stuffing our faces with too much food. Like, that's kind of what Thanksgiving is known for. Well, what if I told you there's a way that you can actually kind of bring those two things together? Maybe not stuffing your face with food, but you can bring these two things together of being grateful and, and, and feasting um, all at once. All right? Uh, and I think this is, this is going to be so good for us. I think they go hand in hand and complement each other. We want to take the next few weeks leading up to Thanksgiving, and we want to try and focus everything that we have onto this idea of gratitude. And I know this isn't anything new and groundbreaking to kind of talk about gratitude at Thanksgiving time, Uh, but like so many things, I think holidays can become routine, and and they can become tradition, and we stop thinking about what actually matters and why we're doing it. You know, we just had uh, Veterans Day this last week, and and by the way, I want to say just thank you uh, to anybody in our church family here that you have served, you have family members that have served, thank you so much for what you have done. Um, We are incredibly grateful for that. Uh, And and it's so great that that lands so close to Thanksgiving. I feel like it's just, it really works well together with that. But um, we want to take this time to remember why we celebrate some of these things. And and I saw a lot of those posts of, hey, you know, it's it's Veterans Day weekend. Like, this isn't about just having an extra day on your weekend. And, you know, same thing with Memorial Day. Like, there's a reason that we celebrate these things. But how often do we walk into a holiday and we kind of forget why it is We're celebrating it, or what the focus is, and we get so caught up in our own traditions. So as a staff, we are trying to set up a few things that we think that if we can implement these in our lives over the next few weeks and give them the focus that they need, that we can make this Thanksgiving season different and more important and meaningful to all of us. All right, so I want us just to be ready for something new today Uh, Let's be ready for our attention to be drawn towards God uh, And for our lives to be impacted by this time together It is so much, what we get out of this time Is so dependent on our attitude as we approach this Alright, so let's just kind of check where our attitude's at If you are willing and able, would you stand with me this morning I want to read a passage, Lamentations 3, starting in verse 18 And then we'll continue on here Verse 18, I cry out, my splendor is gone. Everything I had hoped for from the Lord is lost. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. God, I pray that as we focus on, on a topic that many of us have, have probably spent time thinking about before, and this idea of gratitude, God, that you would just you would illuminate something new for us, a new way to approach this, a new way to focus on this, something that would make this come alive for us this morning. We ask that in your name. Amen. All right, you can have a seat. So last week we finished up our, our series, Out of the Cave. Uh, We spent four weeks talking about mental health and how important it is and how it plays into and impacts our physical and our spiritual health. Uh, If you missed any of that, I would strongly encourage you to go back, catch those on the website uh, under Media and Long Prairie. Uh, But what's great is this as we move into focusing on gratitude, this really is a natural place to go because gratitude has a big influence on our mental health. I I don't know if you knew that or not. But there there was a smaller kind of initial study that happened where some psychology professors from Indiana, Colorado, and Mississippi, uh, they did with psychotherapy patients, and they broke 293 adults into three categories, all right? Uh, And they had this control group, so one group, where all they did was psychotherapy with that group. All right, then they had a second group. Um, where they did psychotherapy and expressive writing, is what they called it. But basically what they said is, we want you to write your your deepest thoughts and feelings about stressful situations that they have had. You know, kind of journal about like some of these stressful things. And then the last of the three groups uh, was psychotherapy, and they wrote gratitude letters to people in their lives. So these were the three categories you had, uh, and both at four weeks and 12 weeks after the conclusion of this writing intervention, the group that had gratitude writings reported significantly better mental health than those in the other two groups. Like, it, it matters. Like, our attitude, how we focus on things, how we remember things, this all matters. So as we come out of talking about mental health and begin to talk about gratitude, realize that this is a very natural progression. Uh, and if last series was talking to you and where you were at, I, I wanted to really make sure and, and be engaged over the next few weeks here with this, okay? Uh, a definition of gratitude uh, that I found is, is this. The quality of being thankful... Readiness to show appreciation for and to return kindness. Now, I like this definition for gratitude because um, if you look up definitions in different dictionaries, you're going to get different definitions. Uh, And a lot of them, gratitude is a word that has other words in it. So really, if you look up, like in Merriam-Webster, like gratitude, it's going to say the process of being grateful. You're like, oh great, now, now if I want to talk about that, I have to say, okay, well there, here's the definition of grateful, and you have to keep going down that. So I, I like this definition, and I, I love where this is going to go with us today. Um, what I like about it is it doesn't just talk about a feeling that we have with gratitude, but it actually also attaches some type of action or response to that feeling. I, I think of gratitude a little bit kind of like love. Like some people say, you know, they often think that love is like this feeling, but we know that there's so much more to love. Um, you can't just say that you love someone. You have to show it or else your words don't mean anything, right? Like there, there's action that is attached to that. Uh, and, and we can't just always say that we are grateful. We have to be able to show that in some type of way as well. So over the next couple weeks, we want to think about how do we put ourselves into a mindset where we actually are grateful in life, that we have gratitude, but also how does that actually like play out in some actions and some steps for us? Okay, does that make sense? Uh, this idea of feasting. And us using this in this series, this, this isn't just because of Thanksgiving and all the food that we eat. Uh, the reason that we went that direction is because we wanted to look at something in the Bible, uh, specifically the Old Testament, uh, and the Old Testament seems to be pretty good uh, at something that I, I don't think that we are that good at. The Jewish people had seven major holidays, referred to as kind of like festivals or feasts. And they are, a lot of them are still practiced today. They might be named different or, or changed a little bit. But all of these were meant to mark and remember specific things. All right, Something from their past. Uh, but all of, all of them had ties to God, to his creation, and mainly uh, to rest and the way that things were supposed to be. Like these festivals were a time for them to slow down and think back to how God initially created earth and how God wanted things to be for us. All right, and then some of them kind of had dual meanings. You know, you have Passover. And Passover, again, uh, is looking at this idea of like the new creation, but it's also looking at the fact that they escaped from, from Egypt. And each of these festivals, the Israelites would have a little bit of, of a reset and try to bring their mindsets and their lives back to the way that it was supposed to be. All right, how many of us would say that maybe you could use a little bit of a reset in life, right? Like for me, I just know fall is always so crazy busy, you know, and for us, like you're getting kids back into school. Uh, Emily's, you know, at school, we're doing all these different things, and in the church, there just seems to be a lot of events that happen in the fall. And I just feel like there's times where I'm like, man, I just need a reset. I need, I need a hard reset button somewhere on my body that I can just press and be like, okay, let's, let's start over here for a moment, Okay, And I think that that's what, what this was for them, is a reset and a refocusing. And I think this can especially be true around holidays. You go into the season of Thanksgiving and Christmas, and the, na- the next like, month and a half are just a blur. At least they are for me. Maybe they aren't for you, but like, you're like leading up to Thanksgiving, the of Christmas and New Year's, it is crazy all the different things that happen. The Jewish festivals were meant to help them focus on the right things. All right, here's why that mattered to them and and why it should matter to us. Okay, if you're taking notes. In order to be grateful, we have to remember the right things. Being grateful means we have to have some, like, self-awareness. We have to be grateful for something. That doesn't always mean stuff. Like, we're going to talk about that more next week, of this idea of, like, are we just grateful for stuff or for something bigger than that? All right, how many, like, how many of us woke up alive today? Okay, that's everybody's hands. Thank you. Okay. Uh, How many of us have actually then like thought about or realized and had a conscious moment where we said, wow, like I am alive today. Has anybody actually done that? I mean, maybe every once in a while you kind of have that thought, but for the most part, what, we, we just get up and just start our day. Okay, like how many of us have been grateful and actually thanked God that we are alive today? I have not, and I even knew I was going to say this, okay? And like, I still did not, that just wasn't at the front of my mind. When we don't think about it, when we don't realize or remember it, we aren't grateful for it. The problem is, instead of remembering the right things, we often forget the things we should remember, and then on top of that, we remember the things that we should forget, This was last week in our mental health, the rumination and how we continue to think about the negative thoughts over and over and over in our lives. So instead of of remembering the things that would set us up to be grateful, we remember the things that hurt us and make us mad and, and make us ungrateful and all different things. Our passage that we read earlier from Lamentations 3, it shows this. It says, I cry out, my splendor is gone. Everything I'd hoped for from the Lord is lost. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Can you, can you feel like the words that are being written here? Someone who is so focused on this, this is what they're remembering, and this is, this is determining how they're thinking, how they're feeling. And so far, all he's been thinking about is negative experiences. Negative stuff that isn't sitting well with the author. But it goes on, it says, yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. So in this moment, his life didn't all of a sudden get better. He just starts switching his mindset and starts remembering something else. He says, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. That verse right there, that's the inspiration for the classic hymn, Great is thy faithfulness. He says, when I remember this, when I focus on this, it brings me hope. When I remember the wrong things, I am bitter and I grieve. When I remember the right things, I am full of hope. The festivals for the Jewish people were times when they interrupted everything and they remembered what they should. All right, The Sabbath was one of them. It was a weekly uh, thing. Remembering that they were not created just to work. Having to work the, the land was a result of sin. It wasn't supposed to be our purpose. And that right there, that might be all that, that someone in this room needed to hear today. Your work, your job, is not your purpose. That's not why you were created. Passover and unloving bread it was about remembering that they were redeemed from death. But there was a new creation and God provided for them in the wilderness. The festival of first fruits and the festival of weeks was about remembering and celebrating how the land had produced for them. Festival of trumpets, this was the seventh month out of the year, again reminding them of the Sabbath and the need for resting. Day of atonement was about remembering the relationship we were supposed to have in Eden before sin. God renewing his relationship with us. And the festival of tabernacles, remembering how God provided for them in the wilderness. Like You can see how they they have these big celebrations, and some of them were a day long, some of them were a week long. There would be a reset that gets them remembering the things that they so often forget. They focus on how life was supposed to be and how God was still trying to make it like that for them. And this in turn creates gratitude as you focus on and celebrate those types of things. Uh, But this isn't just a mindset and a feeling. They had action to show it. Outside of the the Festival of First Fruits for the Israelites, uh, all of the other festivals, there there was a requirement. You were not allowed to work. Sometimes it was just for a single day. Sometimes it was like the first day and the seventh day. But it interrupted it, and, and you weren't allowed to work. There was action that went with this idea of being grateful. Like, if you're going to say you are grateful for not being created to work, then you should probably show that by not working. (laughs) Right? Like, that just kind of makes sense. If you are grateful for God renewing your relationship and taking away sin and letting you have a second chance, then you should be willing to do that for others. Like, this is the action that goes with when we remember the right things. Every seventh year, they would plant crops and they would let the land, or they wouldn't plant crops. They'd let the land rest. And then every seventh cycle of that seventh year, they would forgive all debts. Any land that was sold would go back to the original owner. Like all, all of these different things. They did these resets and they, they were grateful for what they had. Right? Like the, but there was action to it. So part of being grateful is remembering the right thing. All right. another big part of being grateful though is responding in the right way. So if you want to be grateful, if you want this month to be something that moves you towards being grateful in life, you have to remember the right things. But that's not enough. You have to respond in the right way to the things that you are remembering. As we walk into these 21 days, I want these two things to be at the front of our mind. That we remember the right things and then we respond in the right way. Something that we want to do, uh, just kind of as a staff for the church, is is we want to set up some practical things to do during the next 21 days uh, to help us be more grateful. Uh, Oftentimes when we do a series on fasting, we try to have things laid out, um, different plans, things that you can do to make it uh, be a little bit more important for you. And uh, as you leave, um, out on the tables outside the door, we are going to have one of these, or a bunch of these sitting there. We have about 50 of them. All right, so you want to grab one per family, one per household, whatever that would be, all right? Um, and, and what we have done is we've created something that we want to, we want to help us be grateful over the next 21 days, okay? Um, and I think that a lot of these things can kind of help us out here. So I'm going to walk through uh, what these are, all right? So when you get this, you have, you have a stack of these little cards. I'm going to talk about those in a moment. But on the back of this is a checklist, and it says, My Gratitude Checklist. Okay, and I, I want to walk through what's on here. Okay, the first one is this. Uh, it's a Bible reading plan. Okay, if you aren't already doing something, um, if you aren't already doing a Bible reading plan of some type, I'd encourage you to jump in and do this. Okay, it's in the YouVersion app. Uh, if you don't have that app, you can download it. Uh, I, I would encourage you to do that. It's a great digital Bible. It's got a lot of resources in it. But on here, it says what it is. It says, do the 21 days to cultivate a grateful heart plan in the YouVersion app. So you can search that plan, and you can read that just over the next 21 days here as we begin to focus on having gratitude. All right, the second thing is, is this, um, to start a gratitude journal, Okay. Uh, I I would encourage you, write down what you are thankful for. Write out uh, what you are thinking about, what you are feeling this month. Has anybody here ever done a gratitude journal before? Okay, like this this is a way for us to actually recenter and remember those things. Because there are probably things that have happened today in your life, today in my life, that I should be grateful for. But I just haven't slowed down enough to actually remember that, focus on it. And and when we begin to write some of these things out, even if you don't save this, even if you just write things down at the end of the day, it's gonna help you remember the right things. Uh, The second, or the third thing on here um, is have intentional meals. All right, this may sound weird, uh, but what we wanna do is this. It is so easy for... Our meal time to be this really rushed, hurried thing. I think about this in our life, and like there were seasons where we used to have meals actually together. All right, and then we went through a phase where it's so much easier to feed our kids and we didn't eat with them because you could not enjoy your food, because you're constantly cutting something up or doing this, or they're taking food off your plate. So we started feeding them, putting them to bed, and then we would have our own like special meal after that. Uh, which was great for that season for us. But there's something about coming around the table that's important. And I want to challenge you. Think about where you're at in this. Okay, so if, if, uh, if you're part of a family that, that eats together, where are you at in this? How many, how many dinners in an average week do you eat together? Okay, and what our challenge is, is let's make our meals more intentional. So that might mean that you need to have more of those. Maybe right now you're like, if we eat one or two dinners together, like that's a good week. Okay, I'm gonna challenge you. Make it three or four for the next couple weeks. All right, if you're, if you're like, hey, we eat seven meals together every single week. Okay, how do you make that more intentional? Now, these cards that we have, it sets us up for our dinner time, okay? On the front, it says 21 days of feasting. All right, that's the first card. You take out the next card. It says, how do I use these cards? There you go, you have some directions. All right, pray the first prayer on the back of this card to start every meal. All right, we are not as liturgical as some other churches. We don't do a whole lot of like recited prayers. I think that at times we miss something with some of those, of being intentional in our prayer life. And so we have written out uh, two different prayers on the back of this. And the first prayer to start our meal is just a prayer of gratitude. It's just thanking God for what we have. All right, then it says, during your meal, discuss the question of the day. All right, now, if you are eating a meal by yourself, this is where I think that gratitude journal comes in. Like, I would encourage you to spend time writing things out in your gratitude journal that are on these questions. We also keep your eyes open on our social media. We'll post some of these questions throughout the week. So if you want to be part of a conversation with it, jump on there. Okay, but like, so day number one, there's a question on the back of this. So we start our meal, we sit down, we pray, we're dishing people up, and then somebody asks this question. Question of the day, if you could ask God one question, what would it be? All right, that's the very first first day, right there. And every single day, there's another question. And just talk about that during your meal. Just make this mealtime a little bit more intentional. Okay, and then we want you to close the mealtime with a prayer and something that we did is we kind of took, we took something that the Israelites did. They, every single day they prayed a prayer called the Shema. And it was a, a prayer of just kind of declaration of who God was in their life. And every single day they prayed this. And what we've done is we've kind of sat down and we used the Shema as a little bit of a blueprint. Kind of like people have done with the Lord's Prayer. And we have written a prayer um, that is going to really kind of cover a lot of the same things. And we want you to end your meal with that prayer. All right, so then after that day, you can take that card, flip it on the bottom, put the two starting cards back on top, okay? They all have these nice little clips. All right, so this is, this is what we want. We want an intentional meal time, okay? Then the, the fourth thing, have a meal with one or two other families or people uh, at some point over the next 21 days. Invite people over. It could be people from church. It could be people uh, that are not from church. But I'm going to tell you this, when you invite people over, keep being intentional. If it's people that are not from church, do this. And not all the questions are focused on God. Uh, we kind of go uh, through a little bit of a rotation. And then as you get to the end of the 21 days, it's a little bit more focused on God. But invite people over. Have an intentional mealtime with them. Be grateful for, for the things that we have in our life. All right. And then uh, one other thing that didn't make this list, but we're going to be doing, is we are going to be having then a kind of a potluck, uh, a feast. Like, right, if we're going to celebrate feasting, we should probably have a feast. So what we're going to do is on the 27th, uh, that Sunday evening, we're going to have a prayer service, but what we'll do is we'll pray at 5.30. We'll kind of have a service here together. And then just at 6 o'clock, then we will have a meal together. We did this to break our fast back in January. And it was one of my favorite things that that we've done. It was awesome to come together and just kind of break a fast together. We're going to come together, have a feast, and focus on the right things. All right, then the last thing. Take communion once a week in your home. All right, now this may seem intimidating. All right, listen. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a pastor to administer communion. All right, we are told by Jesus to remember him when we do it. Okay, if our focus is remembering the right things during this series, I think we would have a major mistake if we don't slow down and remember Jesus and his sacrifice. That's absolutely at the top of the list of the right things to remember. Okay? And we are going to take communion here in a moment. Okay, ushers, you guys can get ready for that. Uh, If this is newer for you, you can kind of sort of listen to even what we do here. Maybe you're sitting here and you're like sweating, like, are you kidding? I'm supposed to like, do communion at my house? What does that look like? Okay, well, I want to kind of talk through this with us. And and so what we'll do is the ushers, you guys can bring those up. You can kind of pass the trays. We're doing the old school trays this time instead of the little cups. Um, and, and I want to talk through this idea. Okay, there isn't some magical formula for communion. All right, well, we want you guys, talk your kids through it. Talk your family through it. Uh, try this on your own. There, there really isn't a, like, terribly wrong way to do communion, because there's not, there's not a, a wrong way of remembering what Jesus did for us, okay? Now, as I say that, some of you might have a certain verse coming into your head, okay? I'm going to read this verse that I think gives a lot of people some anxiety, okay? So it says, uh, this is in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 27, so anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourselves before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without, no, without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you are weak and sick and some have even died. Okay, like this verse right here. There, there, are, there are groups that have used this to create a ton of fear surrounding communion. Basically, they're like, hey, you do it wrong, you're going to die. Holy cow, I would not want to try and do that either. We have to remember the context of what Paul is saying here. The entire start of this chapter, he's sitting there talking about how you guys are supposed to come together as a body. You're supposed to be in unison. You're supposed to care about each other. We have people who are rich. We have people who are poor. We have every different social class, every different race, every different group. Like, the early church was the most diverse group there was on the planet. That's what made it so explosive, Everyone else looked at it, and they like, where else would you see a senator and a slave sitting together at the same table? But you did in the early church. Now, the problem was, is some of the people, as they did this, some of the people that were used to having that special treatment, you know, because in temples, you, you could even pay to have a certain spot that was yours. I have the best spot because I have the most money, and I can pay for that. And so what was happening everyone, so in the early church is you have, you have people that are coming into the church and they're finding Jesus, but they're bringing in some of that baggage and they're going up and, and communion was this full meal for them. They are going up and there's stuff in their face. They're eating all of it, drinking all of it. They're literally, they're, they're getting drunk and there's nothing left for the, the other people. They're pushing, the, you know, poor people to the end of the line and by the time they get up there, they can't even take communion. And Paul's like, What are you doing? How are you saying you're remembering Jesus as you're pushing people away? The people that he spent the most time with, the people that he reached out to the most. That's the context of these verses. Now, we don't ever want to do anything completely like flippantly and not care about it either. Brad, when you're done, I actually need one as well. I didn't grab one. (laughs) Um, We don't want to do this flippantly. We want to remember what this means. You know, we've been talking with our kids, and Reuben, uh, our oldest, he's second grade, he's, he started taking communion with us. Because after a few different times, uh, he's able to explain what it means. And that's kind of the question. We'll say, okay, well, he'll say, I want to take communion. You know, the first time, it's, I want to drink that juice. I want to eat that cracker. Okay, I get that. Well, what do you think this means? And we had the conversation. We talked about it. Uh, that's parents, we want to leave that in your hands. Whenever you think kids are ready, uh, we want that to be in your hands. But we want, we want us to do this this week. And, and it doesn't mean you have to have grape juice and a cracker. Okay, I remember one time I did it with some teenagers, and we had uh, cheddar, white cheddar popcorn and either Sprite or Orange Crush, something like that. And, you know, in that moment, I'm sitting there, and you're kind of thinking, is this irreverent? We're like, well, No, we just don't have anything else. And we wanted to take a moment in this small group that we were doing to take communion together. And we prayed over it, and and I think every single one of us sat there and and reflected on what Jesus had done for us. So we want to challenge you. Pick a certain day of the week. You know, uh, maybe it's Sunday night. You know, Sunday night might be an easy one to do this on. Or if that doesn't work for you, you don't get a, you know, a dinner... Uh, on Sunday night, then don't do it then. But find, find a time and do this several times over the next couple weeks here. Take communion in your house. All right, so let's, I want to do this together and I'm going to make this super informal. I'm not going to make anything fancy here because I, I don't, I want us to feel like it doesn't, there's not a magic formula, there's not something big. You can read, you know, out of First Corinthians 11 if you want. If you can't remember that by the time you get home, just go on Google and type in communion scripture. Okay? It'll come up. All right? You can read out of 1 Corinthians 11 where Paul is saying, like, this I pass on to you that the Lord gave me. You can read in Mark 14, Luke 22, when Jesus does it at the Last Supper. You know, Or you don't have to read anything. You can pray beforehand. You can pray after each one. You can pray at the end. You there isn't a formula to this. So what I want us to do is I'm not even going to lead us necessarily in the elements. I want each one of us to take take 30 seconds, 60 seconds here, slow down, focus, remember what this meant. There's different ways to remember it. You know, body, blood. I've talked about this before, remembering the past, present, and the future tense of communion. The past is what Jesus did. What he went through. The present is what that means for me right now in my life. The future is the fact that, you know what, now there's been a a road made for me to be with Jesus for eternity. And the fact that I'm actually not always going to take communion because at some point we're just going to be sitting at, at a table feasting with Jesus. Communion is a temporary thing. Take 30 seconds, 60 seconds. Let's just do this on our own and then I'll close this out. Don't feel rushed. Keep taking the time you need to just focus on him. I'm going to talk a little bit as we kind of close this. One of my favorite psalms, Psalm 51 says, Restore to me the joy of my salvation. When we take communion, when we talk about remembering the right things, how often do we slow down and remember the fact that that we were saved from something? You think back to maybe when, when God first started becoming real to you and how exciting it was, how hungry you were, how you wanted so much more of him. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. My prayer for us as a church is that over the next 21 days that we can remember the right things, that we can respond the right way. If I wake up every morning remembering that I was saved from something and I, and I have the joy of my salvation restored to me, how do you think that's gonna affect my actions that day and how I interact with other people? When I remember the right things, it leads me to respond in the right way. We don't want this just to be another Thanksgiving season for us. We want to slow down. We want to take, take time and focus on God. I challenge you to do the same. If you want to tweak the plan that we have out here, you want to do something else, that's completely fine. But we just wanted to come up with something for you so that you weren't walking out of here empty-handed. Um, yeah, there's other Bible reading plans, there's things like that, but, you know, and then let's just, let's take back the dinner table. It's an important thing. You know, let's, let's give that intentionality, whether, whether you're eating dinner with other people or not, like, let's be intentional with that time of slowing down. God, I thank you just for, uh, Lord, what you've done for us. God, we pause and we remember that. And Jesus, we pray that as we go through this season that we would be um, focused on so many of the things that you've done in our life, the way that you're working in our life. God, the things that you've rescued us from and you continue to do that and the fact that your, your grace is always there for us no matter how many times I screw up. God, your grace is there waiting. I thank you for that. Lord, let us be grateful. Let us lead the people that we have influence over, that we, uh, that we are investing in. Let us lead any of those people in this same path, God, just to move towards a, uh, just an attitude of gratefulness. Jesus, we ask this in your name. Amen.